My name is Mike Haynes, and I'm the Director of Instructional Services at the Charlevoix Emmett Intermediate School District. I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Char M ISD Leaders in Education podcast, featuring leaders and experts in education. Today, it is my pleasure to be talking with Will Swickel, Superintendent for the Beaver Island Community School. Will, thanks for talking with me today. A pleasure, Michael. I'm glad to be here. This is great. So today, I'd like to start by asking you if you would share a little bit about your background and what led you to um, becoming a superintendent. Uh, it's a long, it's a long story, but I'll yeah. try to keep it short. All right. So uh, I've always loved education uh, from when I was a, a young child till till now. In fact, I'm in the process of working on my doctorate right now. So I've been, I've literally been in school for the last 57 years, <laughs> um, which is fun. Uh, but um, when I was in college, I had two dreams, two two loves. Uh, one was environmental uh, environmental protection, environmental policy. And the other was mm-hmm. education. And so I prepared myself to do both careers, graduated with a certificate to teach um, English at the secondary level, and then uh, and also teach science at the secondary level, um, as well as a master's degree in environmental policy uh, and planning from U of M. Uh, for the first 15 years of my life, I, I worked in the environmental world. And uh, when I was 40, my daughter said, hey, You've been talking about uh, going in, into education, uh, and uh, you've been keeping your teaching certificate alive. Why don't you go into education now? Wow. And so, yeah, I, I entered this field in uh, in my four as, as a forty one year old. That's incredible. And uh, have been doing it now for the last sixteen years. Worked in Harbor Springs, and now I'm the the principal superintendent over on Beaver Island. Well, with that environmental background, you're in an ideal spot, it seems like. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I, I have to pinch myself because I think I've died and gone to heaven to be, uh, yeah. you know, to be the superintendent principal on Beaver Island. is just really a dream. Right. It's fantastic. Now, what is your doctoral uh, focus area? So the doctoral focus area is on, um, on the longevity and leadership stability in rural school districts. So I'm studying uh, superintendents in Michigan and in Idaho who have spent three or more times the national average uh, serving their, in their, their individual uh, and serving an a, a individual or serving a single mm-hmm. school district. Um, and so I've had the chance to interview 14 uh, different superintendents who collectively have over 200 years of experience serving their districts wow. and learning, um, learning about how the school is uh, an integral part of the community and the value of leadership stability for rural communities across the country. Out of curiosity, what is the national average for longevity? Uh, two and a half, <laughs> 2.7 years okay. national <laughs> average for a, uh, uh, for a rural superintendent. So the folks I've interviewed have spent uh, uh, nine or more years serving their, their specific okay. district. And that's rare today. It's very rare today. There's been a, a leadership churn as well as a, a, a churn amongst the teaching staff right. in, in American schools in Michigan and throughout the country. So why Michigan and Idaho? Um, good question. Uh, so um, again, uh, this could be a long story. I'll keep it short. Um, when you, in the doctoral process, after you finish your comps, you're not allowed to speak with anyone in your department regarding the work that you plan on doing for research because mm-hmm. you're not supposed to be potentially influencing them as they're right. creating your comprehensive exams. And as a part of my comprehensive exams, when I, I ran across this woman who is a, a, a researcher in the same field that I'm interested in, 
out at the uh, out at Boise State University. So I figured, well, I can't speak with anyone in Michigan, so I'll call her up. And uh, we struck up a conversation, and she's like, she was very excited about the research I intended to do, and uh, was willing to serve on my committee. So I have uh, two folks from CMU on my committee, and and Dr. Heather Williams from Boise State. And uh, she said, well, I've got lots of great contacts for you out here. So it's a two-state research project. Uh, and my, my folks at CMU said, well, you know, you're basically doing twice as much as you need to do for your doctorate. And I'm like, well, that's, I'm all in, so it's all good. It's interesting how things come together like yeah, that. Yeah, it is great. Yeah. So I know that there's a lot going on uh, at the Beaver Island School. Can you tell me about two or three points of pride? What makes the school a great place to work and learn? Well, it's, um, I go back to this idea of the, the school and the community. You know, a strong school makes a strong community. A strong community makes a strong school. And um, one of the things that has struck me so much about Beaver Island is the, the, how well the school is integrated into the community mm-hmm. and how valuable the community members see the school. And um, you, really, you wouldn't have the community of Beaver Island without Beaver Island Community School, right. and you wouldn't have what we can offer at the school without the community support. So we, um, you know, it's a, it's a very small district. It's a, you know, we call it a one roof schoolhouse. Uh, we've got 56 students total from uh, kindergarten up, up to high school. And we're able to offer amazing individualized instruction. So um, whether your student is um, uh, a special needs or whether your student is on, on his or her way to a top university, we're able to provide really what that kid needs. So the individualized instruction, I think, is a key part of what we offer. Um, we also have a lot of community involvement, community engagement, mm-hmm. and we try to provide as many different enrichment opportunities for our students as well. We have a couple CTE programs, health occupations program, BST program. We offer four different AP uh, advanced placement classes. Uh, we have a student council, NHS, uh, high school athletics. So even though we're very remote, mm-hmm. we, we have lots of great opportunities for our students to learn. Um, but we couldn't do it without the support of the community, sure. that's for sure. Well, I, I really love your point about that symbiotic relationship. We've all seen towns that uh, fade away if a school closes. So it's great right. to acknowledge that. And mm-hmm. um, there's a, Beaver Island has quite a history, right? There's a, didn't that start as a settlement at some point? And well, there's a lot. Yeah, there, there's an amazing history yeah. on Beaver Island. Uh, you know, Bishop Barriga w- w- stopped there and, and really started. You know, the first school was was uh, started by Bishop Barriga. Uh, you know, 200 years ago. Hmm. But prior to that is an incredibly rich history um, um, uh, by the the Native Americans, the indigenous people, uh, yeah. both the, the both the Grand Traverse Bay Band of Adal Indians as well as the Little Traverse Bay Band have connections. Um, and uh, you know, hundreds of years of history on that island prior to prior to the first uh, uh, European settlers, and then there's the whole history of the European settlement, um, the Mormon settlement, the, the the murder of King Strang, uh, uh, you know, on the docks of Beaver Island in uh, in the 1850s, and then the the Irish settlement, um, you know, uh, the the Irish immigrants from Erinmore, really building the, the island to right. what it is today. So there's a very interesting history that dates back, you know, at least a thousand years of human history that we know of on that island. That has to just be an incredible opportunity for learning for kids to, to, and students to to understand 
the role of history in, in, in our current lives and right. the deep impact. Well, that's another thing you mentioned that, you know, the, 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 ben, the, the, the benefits of schooling on Beaver Island. One, um, not only that community support, but also using the island as uh, an extension of the classroom. Mm-hmm. So whether it's, um, you know, the folks from the Tip of the Mitt Watershed Council coming over and, uh, you know, doing Watershed Academy on the streams, or whether it's our social studies teacher doing oral history of the elders, or whether it's our Native American community coming in and, and really helping enrich, or it's just getting outside and enjoying mm-hmm. the beauty of being surrounded by Lake Michigan. Um, so between the human history and the natural history, we really live in a, in a, in a, a classroom without walls on Beaver Island. We're calling that place-based learning nowadays. Yeah, right? so, indeed, yes. So, you know, we all, uh, I know that the superintendent job is complex and multifaceted. What, what's the best part about it? <laughs> well, I, I often say the best part of my job on Beaver Island is that I get to do it all. <laughs> yeah, so whether I'm, uh, you know, literally uh, in, the, in the kindergarten classroom cleaning up pee because uh, one of my kindergartners missed the pot, uh, or um, am uh, teaching uh, the AP Lit class, or working with my board thinking about you know long-term strategic planning. Uh, in this job, I get to do it all, so it's really fantastic. Uh, one of the drawbacks of the job is that I have to do it all. <laughs> so, but no, it's really it's really a joy to be able to work, and this is why uh, why I'm there. Um, I love working with students. I love working with parents. I love working with teachers, and most superintendent jobs. You know, the bigger you, the school gets, the further away from that on the ground, right. the boots on the ground work that, you, that you're able to do. So for me, um, this is a perfect job because it, it allows me to still stay connected to the students uh, and their families as well as, and the teachers, as well as do the big picture work with the school board in terms of strategic planning, budgeting, uh, uh, all of that stuff that I think is really important. So what are some of the biggest challenges? Uh, the biggest challenge, you know, the, um, I know a lot of folks point to the last couple of years with COVID being a challenge. I do, I do want to just say that, that um, I, I am so appreciative of the people of Beaver Island who really saw the school as a place that could bring people together. And so um, even though I know there was a lot of turmoil and t- tumult in a lot of districts across the country, you know, uh, our community members were very supportive of, of us doing what we needed to do to, to keep to keep our uh, students safe. But now that we're sort of moving out of the, the COVID realm, I think some of the biggest challenges are are that and perhaps that COVID has allowed us to to have a, a, a more awareness of is the, the meeting the needs and keeping an eye on meeting the social emotional needs of our students. Mm-hmm. So uh, instead of focusing on, and we do focus a lot on our academics, um, one of the biggest challenges is how do we ensure that our students are getting what they need from, you know, from their social, emotional, developmental side? So that, I think, is an, an ongoing challenge for education. Um, I think another challenge when I think about it is really making sure that, at least unique to that island, making sure that we're providing our kids with as many opportunities as we can when they graduate. So if they want to go into, um, you know, they want to go into the trades, the skilled trades, what are we doing to ensure that they're ready to go and, and be a carpenter, a plumber, uh, an electrician, a welder, um, working, you know, uh, working as a, as a pilot, working on, you know, being a mechanic. So are, are we doing enough to prepare them for that? 
while at the same time preparing them to go off to university and be successful. Right. Um, no, because you know any of these kids that go to university, there's going to be more students. You know, there's going to be more <laughs> students in their uh, intro to biology class than there are that live on the whole island year round. And so we have to really be able to ensure that no matter what they want to do with their lives, they're ready. Right. Right. You know, I'm well. I'm always intrigued when I talk to leaders how they stay sharp, and and who they look to or what they look to to continually learn and grow. And could you talk a little bit about that? How you stay sharp, and maybe there's experts or authors that you rely on to keep you, uh, you know, keep you learning. Well, first of all, um, uh, I'm I'm amazed that you're thinking that I'm sharp. So that's that's a plus. Uh, that's, that's what great. I've heard. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, but but notwithstanding, you know, I just find. Um, uh, there's a few mentors that I have uh, that have that have really helped me uh, deal with this, the the challenges of the job. And one of them is someone who's been involved in many of the districts up here. His name is Mike Washburn, who mm-hmm. many of us know. Um, he's great, and he 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 comes to me, sir. You know, provided by the Sharm ISD. So he's uh, someone who I really developed a great relationship with. Uh, but but beyond that, um, uh, of course, you know, like I said, working in my doctorate, I've always been engaged in some sort of continuing learning, mm-hmm. which which not only the learning itself in terms of reading the books and the articles and whatnot, but it but it also provides me with um, with an opportunity to work with other people who are really trying to improve their their craft. And so I find what my inspiration and what keeps me sharp is just really engaging with other people who are doing the work and uh, striving to do better. And, and so having that collegiality and that realization that, you know, no matter how far you are in your career, you're always gonna be learning something and that you need to be open to that learning. Uh, the other thing too is just really accepting whatever challenge comes uh, down the line and seeing it as a learning opportunity. So if I have a, a, a contentious discussion with a, with a parent, um, that gives me a learning opportunity to think about how um, how that dialogue could have gone better, um, and and really every day going into each day with how what can I learn from this day, and then also a sense of gratitude. I get the chance to learn every day. How lucky am I? Uh, and so that's just going really just that that perspective that. I'm going to get the chance to learn something today, and how lucky can I be? I can't. I couldn't be more lucky than to have that opportunity. I love that mindset, uh, and if you can give instill that in the students that you work with, what a great, great thing to do. Right. So, what's one piece of advice that you would give somebody who's thinking about being a superintendent, whether they're 40 years old or whether they're, <laughs> whether they're just whether they're uh, 27? Yeah. Uh, wow, that's that's a great question. Um, I. Th- you know, it depends on if they're 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 depends on their situation coming into a district new, or if they're someone who knows the culture of the district. So let's mm-hmm. assume that there's someone who a- applies to a, a district that that is a new uh, an uh, an external candidate. I would say the first thing is to just listen um, and to mm-hmm. uh, to really help, really try to understand the culture of that district. Um, and honor the culture of that district. I love that. That doesn't mean that they there. There doesn't mean there's not opportunities for change. For mm-hmm. goodness' sake, there's always opportunity for, for improvement and change. 
But, but it, um, what I've seen in my own experience with you know, working for several superintendents um, and then my own job and then also interviewing these 14 superintendents is that those who, who honor and appreciate that which came before them are, are going to A, enjoy the job a, a lot more <laughs> and, and B, find little hidden gems that they didn't know about that they're going to learn about and they're ultimately going to be a lot more successful than if they just come in thinking that they uh, they have all the answers and that everyone else's job is to, to kowtow and listen to them. I really like that positive mindset and honoring what's there and, and what you're walking into is so important. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Um, well, I think that if we think about this, you know, think about Northern Michigan and the, the, the gift that we have to live in this area um, as individuals. Um, you know, we are so fortunate. And the other thing that I think, not only in terms of the natural surrounding that we, that we have here, but if you think about the schools in Northern Michigan, the quality of the education that people are getting in, in the Sharm ISD region is, is really phenomenal. Um, I'm involved with the University of Michigan uh, alumni recruitment program. And the, the students that we're sending to these top universities are remarkable for one, and the 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 incredible opportunities that we have for those non-college students with, you know, what are we up to sixty some CTE programs mm -hmm. across all the districts in the ISD? It's truly remarkable what we're able to provide our students uh, as a whole. So although my job is to focus on Little Beaver Island, I am really impressed and honored to be part of a much larger effort to ensure that uh, the citizenry of, of, of Charlevoix, Emmett, and parts of Antrim County are served really well by all the schools. So it's an honor for me to be part of this, this program. Well, and one of those students that, that have been served is your own daughter, right? And tell me about where she went. Well, I've got two daughters. Two, sorry. Uh, yeah, one is, um, one lives out, that's another connection to Idaho. One now lives in Boise. She's a student who, uh, who uh, graduated from Harbor Springs and went to University of Michigan, is now working for a, a nonprofit out in, uh, in Boise. And my other daughter um, went to Stanford University uh, for her undergraduate degree and her master's and is now uh, working on her doctorate at the University of California, Santa Barbara. Uh, wow. yeah. So yeah, they, they, they've done well given the public education right. that they were able to, to get here in Northern Michigan. And Northern Michigan has certainly served you and your family well. That's... And I hope that I'm serving it well in return, indeed. Well, well, it's been a pleasure talking with you today, learning about what the ways that you approach leadership and leading the Beaver Island School. And uh, I look forward to getting over there, despite the fact that my last two flights were canceled. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Sometime this Third year. Third time's the charm. Right, right, right. So thank you for having this conversation. Good. You're welcome. Thank you.